As a leader in advanced HVAC technologies, Mitsubishi Electric is committed to continuous innovation around efficiency, comfort, and wellness, with a focus on personal comfort and prosperous communities. Mitsubishi offers a variety of indoor options, including high-wall floor mount, duct handlers, and extremely popular one-way ceiling cassette. Climate systems are great for a single room or the entire home, providing 100% capacity to minus 5 degrees. A full range of control options including Wi-Fi, touchscreen, and thermostats, and simple remotes are available to meet every customer's needs. Mitsubishi's regional sales and marketing teams are available to meet with you and help you grow your business. For more information, go to MitsubishiComfort.com. Andy Armstrong, currently president of Bay Solutions, is a business leader who has led billion-dollar North American sales and marketing teams. He has recently shared some of the secrets of his success in his book, The Grace Arsenal. In it, he offers a set of tactical tools and common language that will help you and your team create a system of culturally conscious leadership habits to facilitate healthy, functional, and sustainable relationships. Welcome, Andy. Good morning. It's Mark Madison here on Books and People. Today, I'm excited about our guest this morning, one Mr. Andy Armstrong. Andy, how are you, sir? I am very good. Happy to be here, Mark. <laughs> I've been looking forward to this for a while. We've, been, we've known each other a long time. I was trying to remember when, when we met. My best recollection, Mark, is that we met in uh, late in 2005. Okay. I was just taking over the uh, head of marketing for York and Johnson Controls, and you were one of our favorite uh, trainers at the time, and they connected us, and holy cow, kismet. It's been, uh, been fun ever since. Dude, almost 20 years. That's crazy. I was skinny and I had hair. I mean, that was a long time ago. <laughs> you and me both. Dude, okay, so I'm going to just pepper you with a series of questions, and I'm going to start with some really fun ones, okay? Kind of rapid fire. You ready? I'm ready. Favorite sandwich? Uh, ham and cheese. Oh, dude. Scariest animal? Bear. <laughs> Apples or oranges? Apples. boy. Have you ever asked someone for an autograph? I never have. Interesting. Uh, favorite action movie? Die Hard. You know... I've seen it like 17 times, and if it's on TV, I'll watch it again. It's also my favorite Christmas movie. <laughs> a lot of people don't realize it's a Christmas movie. Yep, until they see the Christmas tree being shot up, and then they remember. <laughs> Window or aisle? Uh, that, that, that depends. Uh, usually aisle. Oh, yeah, me too. Favorite smell? Window all the time until my bladder took over. Dude, it's so much better if you're sitting on the aisle to have to get up. Yeah, exactly. Favorite smell? Oh, wow. Uh, Lilies of the Valley. I would have thought one of your famous cookies that you like to bake. You know, I, I do enjoy the cookie smell, but uh, that Lily of the Valley is just heavenly. It is just such a, um, uh, a scent that brings to mind so many different things. It's wonderful. You know, those cookies, they were so, when you said them to me, I was like, oh, come on. Because, you know. <laughs> <laughs> he clearly doesn't care about my girlish figure. Uh, finally, uh, most used app on your phone? Uh, the Spades app. The Which is? 
the card game. Um, oh, right. It is my uh, um, uh, ability when I uh, when I play a game of spades, I'm able to go to another zone and just shut out everything else for a very brief time. So it's it's a form of meditation for me. That's so funny. Mine's cribbage, online cribbage. <laughs> yep, that's a good one too. So fifteen four. Yeah, <laughs> Paris six. So you've been in HVAC a long time. I have. I started uh, uh, in September of uh, 1988. So I'm in my 35th year now. Where'd you go to school? I went to Washington University in St. Louis and studied electrical engineering and played for the Batland Bears, which is why they're the scariest of all the animals, of course. Well, of course, that goes without saying. And you grew up where? In Taylorville, Illinois, a small town just south of the state capital, Springfield. Well, I've been to Springfield, but I've never been to Taylorville. I'm not surprised. So what do you enjoy most about the work? I mean, you've done, you've kind of done it all. Yeah, it's been a, a fun ride. I've been uh, somewhere between sales and marketing most of my career here recently. Uh, I'm in the general management president, GM of a distribution business, but it always comes back to the same thing for, for me, Mark. It always comes back to the real joy of business is when you're helping others succeed. When yeah. you can look back and say, there's a life I've changed. There's somebody who's better off today than they were yesterday because I was here. Then, then that makes it all worthwhile. And boy, do you get to do that a lot in HVAC. There's just so many good, good hearted people in this industry. I'm, I'm so proud to be a part of it. Yeah, man, brother. You're so good at what you do too, man. People just, you know, and I, at the risk of sounding, you know, uh, kind of pandering, I, people just love spending time with you. You're affable. And I think, I think too, that they size up your spirit of intent. You know, they, they know what, what you're after is what, what they need to accomplish and you're there to help them do that. Well, I, I, I really believe Mark, none of us are unique. None of us are um, unicorns. We all are what we are because of the people around us and the things we do to develop. And I have been so blessed with incredible people in my life. Uh, you being right on that top of that list as well, but starting with two incredible parents who uh, taught me how important it is to be good to, to others. And when you are 99% of the time, good things come back. And then just mentor and coach and, and leader after leader in the industry who have taught me and helped me become better. So I, I, I would love to take that as a compliment as to me, but I think what you're really doing is complimenting the wonderful people who have taught me. And stood on the shoulder of giants, haven't you? Exactly, exactly. What did your parents do? Um, my father was a high school teacher, uh, became a principal after I left high school, and then eventually a superintendent. And uh, when I was in high school, Mark, he was my head football coach, my assistant wrestling coach, and my physics teacher. Yikes. Yeah. And by the way, we owned a dry cleaners at the time, and he was my boss there, too, as well. So you so couldn't we, get away with anything. We were close. And uh, I wouldn't trade it for the world. He's a, he's a gem of a man, and I learned so much from him. My mom was, uh, at the time I was growing up, she was in a couple different jobs. She worked at a bank as a uh, account manager and eventually uh, worked her way into being elected city clerk of Taylorville. So she uh, had a nice political career for a few years and, um, and then became this uh, um, incredible quilter. She is, can sew anything now and uh, has people over to her house for classes all the time. She's, uh, she's something. 
That's where the coaching comes from. You're a natural coach and that clearly you got it from your parents. Yeah. Yeah. My, my, uh, I always admired my dad as a coach and, uh, it, it's, uh, he became our head coach my senior year, which, uh, was fortuitous because I didn't have to prove myself. I'd had earned my stripes and had been, uh, a starter by that time, but getting to watch him and how he nurtured players along and dealt with the challenges of coaching uh, taught me so much and informed me of the the type of man I wanted to be and the type of business person I wanted to be. Little did I know that coaching had so much to do with business at the time, but boy, I don't know where I'd be without it, Mark. No, that's something. Yeah, well, you turned out okay, brother. (laughs) You're very kind. You're like Mary Tyler Moore. You're going to make it after all, right? Yep. And I wear a beret and throw it up in the air all the time. <laughs> Somebody told me there's a statue outside a building in Minneapolis. That, there absolutely is. I've seen it. It's, it's wonderful. I've seen the James Brown statue in Augusta, but I've never seen uh, I've never seen the Mary Tyler Moore one. So well, the millennials Mark, are, who are listening are going, who, what? Well, Mark, what? we all have to have goals, right? I think so. That's not a bad goal to have a statue of yourself. That's uh, uh, I was uh, just sticking with going to see it, but statue of yourself's not bad either. Yeah, I'm, I'm thinking about building one for my wife because she's uh, put up with me for a long time. <laughs> yeah, I can. Who, I can who are see some it. of your other mentors, uh, specifically in business coming up? Oh my, I have had some good ones along the way. Um, I most recently have worked with a coach who's a, a uh, uh, professor, works at uh, Milwaukee School of Engineering and Kelly Ottman has just been outstanding. She, uh, I, I found her during a particularly hard part of my career when I was struggling to, to really find that right direction. I was in a tough job and I couldn't, couldn't uh, get my hands around it. And we got started working together and boy, she has just been that voice in my ear ever since. And we meet about once a month and uh, it's, it's half business coaching and half therapy. I'm not sure where that line is, to be honest with you, but she has uh, helped me through many, many decisions. Um, Mike Murphy, who was my boss uh, in Chicago when I was a sales manager, uh, taught me so much about servant leadership. And uh, I've become a student and done everything I can to learn about servant leadership. And, and Mike passed away, unfortunately, a couple of years ago. But he, too, still whispers in my ear quite frequently in those toughest of times. Um, and certainly uh, worked uh, with Matt Peterson for many years. And Matt was a, uh, a guy who taught me what it means to take care of your employees and what it means to, to be loyal. Um, so I've, I've, I've been very lucky. I've had a lot of... A lot of folks who have uh, been very kind. I just had lunch uh, a couple of weeks ago with uh, the gentleman who actually hired me into the industry and still talk with him on a regular basis and get advice from him. Gentleman by the name of Dan Mason uh, hired this young kid out of Washington University and gave me a shot. And uh, Mm. boy, it's fun to go back and talk with him about those days. Yeah, and I think I'm Matt Peterson. Obviously, I know him well. And, you know, he's like a Dutch uncle, but he's like this compassionate guy as well. Yeah, you uh, he, he can he can be as bold as any business person I've ever known, and and sometimes to the point of discomfort. But right. uh, back in the office, he never forgets a birthday. He never remembers to to give you a hug when he sees you again, and and makes you feel very important. And boy, that's a, a valuable lesson to learn. Well, he was talking trash one day about how good a basketball player he was. So I think it was at Doug Weidman's house. So I said, "I want to we play some one on one." I said, "I'm just going to let you know you don't have a chance." 
you know and he's like <laughs> oh yeah so i just started posting them up and scoring on him and there wasn't anything he could do but he would deny <laughs> that if if you asked him but i i am sure he would i am sure the outcome was inevitable he's so competitive it's so great yeah uh you know you you mentioned therapy uh after seven intense years uh Ever, after seven intense years of therapy, my therapist said something that brought a tear to my eye. What's that? No oblong glaze. <laughs> Very good. Very good. Sorry, I had to just kind of throw that in there. No, it's beautiful. I love that one. Well, and I know you believe this. I mean, the title of this podcast is Mark Madison on Books and People, but that came from the quote from Charlie Jones saying, you'd be the same guy in five years except for two things, books and people, people and books. But you've written a book. I have. I have. So before we talk about your book, what books impacted you? Hmm, there are some really, really good ones uh, that, that I still go back to on a regular basis. Uh, probably the one that, that I look at most often because it's so topical and I use it to mentor people so often, and that is Crucial Conversations. Mm. Uh, I, I just can't tell you how many problems in business would be solved if everybody read and understood that book. Community Who wrote that? Oh, gosh, uh, I don't know if I have it here in front of me or not, um, but it is an absolutely fantastic book. Do I have it? Uh, no, I don't have the, the, the copy of it right here, and I can't remember the name off the top of my head. I'm sorry. No, uh, it's probably in the bathroom. That's where the, all the great bathroom <laughs> books end up. Yeah, but it's a good one. The other one that informed how I look at the sales world, and uh, Neil Rackham wrote a book called Spin Selling. Uh. If... If, one of my favorites if if every salesperson would read that before they go out and attempt to peddle anything this world would be so much of a better place to learning to identify the situation and the problem through wonderful questions oh my god it's such an important part of sales and boy it's so often that uh, that has been the piece that was missed he interviewed thirty thousand xerox salespeople, and then he wrote that book like 10 years later yeah and uh, boy, the data and the support, and it's, it's just a masterful book. And it's what, 30 years old now. Oh, and it, I read it last year and it's just as powerful now as it was 30 years ago. Well, the one, my big takeaway, there was just so much in that book. But my big takeaway was uh, what's the next thing, an advance, right? So yeah. in the conversation, you want to secure an advance, whatever that means, whether that's a face-to-face -face meeting or serving equipment or whatever it is, the advance is all in a complex sale anyway. Yeah. Yeah. And in, in HVAC, when we're dealing with contractors, uh, you're, you're going out and recruiting customers who may buy from you for the next 30 years. Right. And uh, there's nothing more complex than setting the foundation of a relationship that could last 30 years. I mean, that's, that's what marriages are made of much less contractor relationships. So how do you, how do you build that right relationship to the right questions and understanding that that customer's needs, you know, really work the spin model. Uh, boy, it's perfect for the uh, the TM trying to go out and recruit new residential replacement contracts. Yes, especially with a territory manager. Last week I was in Kansas City and I said, how many of you are in sales? Because I had a, I was, it was a whole company. So there are a lot of technicians in, in the mm -hmm. room and, you know, about half the people raised their hand. And I said, well, how many of you that didn't raise your hand are married? And of course they all <laughs> raised their hand. I said, well, that's one sale. Uh -huh. I said, you know, it's the same process. There were hundreds of suspects, handful of prospects, one client, and it ended with an obligating question. Mm -hmm. If I give you this ring, would you marry me? Right? Yep, that's that's the model. It's a metaphor, Mr. Ipkiss, a metaphor. <laughs>
Perfect. <laughs> so, so you wrote this book, and then you sent me the manuscript, and I and I thought, okay, I'll you know I'll, I'll read this this weekend. And then, you know, I had a little break after lunch and I, I thought, well, I'll just read a few pages. And I was like, next thing I know, I'm like 75 pages in. Tell us about your, your book. First well, of all, what's it called? It is called um, <laughs> The Grace Arsenal. And uh, I, uh, <laughs> you, you struggle with book names a lot and wonder, but uh, uh, I borrowed the book title from uh, another author and uh, um, the book was what's so amazing about grace and uh he he used that for a title of one of his chapters and it was uh, a wonderful book and a wonderful look at grace um but i was really looking at it slightly different than he was he was looking at nations and the way nations uh play against each other but what i was struggling with was as i looked around in business mark i saw that the people i admired most are the ones that managed the art of business with grace. And it's such a rare commodity to see that done and done well. And I, I admire those people and I respect those people and I wanna be more like them. So for a good 15 or 20 years, I started becoming a student and learning what that meant. And pretty soon a book started to bubble up in my head. And um, at one point, I think it was probably 12 years ago, you told me, I know there's a book inside of you, you should start thinking about writing it. And my head immediately went to great. <laughs> and uh, uh, I plucked thistles and plant roses where I think they'll grow. Yeah, well, you did. And uh, so this book is about the building an arsenal of grace that you can use to manage the everyday, everyday rigors of business and a model that can help you do that and do it consistently. What I'm finding as I talk through the book with different people in different organizations that it's not only a way to build grace in as a human being, but it's also a way to build grace in as organizations. Mm. So I'm finding that it's becoming a key element of different businesses' cultures as they start to understand and own the book and have this common vernacular about how to talk about grace and how we build it into our everyday transactions in this company. And that uh, was really beyond my initial vision, but it's funny how quickly it becomes uh, the goal of different businesses and how many people have already told me, hey, I'm buying this for my entire company because we need to do this better. Yeah. And it's been uh, so flattering. Well, you did such a great job laying the book out and chapter after chapter is just one great insight after another. I have to tell you that when he first told me the title, I thought that sounds like an oxymoron, like back up forward or jumbo shrimp. I mean, you know. Yeah, Grace Arsenal. Arsenal is like okay, we're gonna we're going to war, right? Yeah, and it, it, it's a great point, Mark. And I've I've had this conversation with many people who said I'm not sure that's the right title because you don't want to evoke the military <laughs> and war when you're talking about grace. And I I would I would argue we have ah, of course we would we would uh, um, be remiss if we didn't point out the fact that we've created a warlike mentality in, in business in the US today. And, and if you don't believe that, look at all the, uh, uh, the, the metaphors we use to describe our business world. And you know we're going to the front line or we're uh, um, gonna have a battle over this one. Uh, we're in the trenches. In the trenches, over and over and over again, we're comparing what we do to war. Now, first of all, what we do and compared to what our fine fighting men do are very, very different things. And we may be insulting them by, um, having that mentality, but 
I, I think it's a freedom uh, by, by making it a militaristic feel in business today. It gives us the freedom to do things that are graceless. And it kind of gives us a pass. But if that's where our world is, if we have to go and compete in a militaristic business environment, well, then we're, we better have an arsenal that's packed full of grace so we can fight that. And we can use weapons of grace when we're facing uh, far more treacherous weapons from uh, our competition and even within our own businesses. And I think a grace is just so many subcategories in terms of the definition, you know, fire yeah. off three or four that come to mind. Well, I mean, grace, you know, the, the uh, grace from God, you know, the benevolence of goodness coming down to us from some supreme being is a great starting point. Uh, you go to the grace of a ballerina um, and how she moves so smoothly through the stage. Uh, you go to that, that uh, thing we say before we eat, you know, we say grace, you say, yeah. you go through what we call a monarch, your grace. Um, we've used that word for a lot of different things. Right. What I like to think of it as is when you think of the human condition, there is uh, something that's been passed down to us, whether you admit it's a God or something from our, um, our, our ancestors or somewhere else, there's a mortar that keeps us together in a very good way, a, a kind of stickiness that makes us as humans come together and it, it's, it's something as simple as a pat on the back when you're walking down the hallway and you're kind of down. It's a smile. It's, it's that mm -hmm. smell of lilies of the valley. There's just stuff in the world that makes it better to live. And to me, that's what that grace is. And I don't want to fight about where it came from because that is what has uh, killed millions and millions of humans over the years. Um, me saying it comes from here and you saying it comes from there. I'd rather just all shake our head yes and say, yeah, it exists. Now let's recognize it and share it as much as we possibly can. And when I think of grace, I think of undeserved favor. Uh-huh. Yep. You know, it's like I, you know, do I really deserve this? I've just been so blessed. Uh, did I really earn this or is this just really grace? And boy, you know, I'm just so thankful for so many things and not the least of which is your new book. It's uh, I got to tell you, for any, for the listeners, you're going to want to read this book, and then you're going to want to read it like a novel, and then sit down and read it a second time with a pen in hand in a journal, because it's that kind of book. It's going to change a lot of people's lives. I have always been so impressed with uh, Patrick Leonconi's work and his ability to take a fable and pack it so full of good, good content. And I, I would be uh, remiss if I didn't nod to him in this and say, you kind of gave me the vision of what good looks like. And I wanted a story that helped the reader get through the content because I bought far too many business books where I get through chapter three and go, why am I still reading? There's nothing <laughs> left. Stephen King gave me permission. He said, after 20 or 30 pages, if the book doesn't grab you, throw it away and grab a different one. Yeah, and I wanted a book that was interesting till the end, and uh, the story certainly helps with that, but I think the characters, I, I tried to build them in such a way, Mark, that you wanted to know how they looked at these problems and what they were looking to do to solve them, and uh, I hope I've been able to accomplish that. Well, I love the the images of the shield and then the different components of it as, and how you, how you broke that down, uh, just great illustrations, and it's just so well put together. It's such a great book. Uh, thank you, Mark. It's very kind of you. The, the shields uh, were one of those epiphanies one day. I thought, you know, if we're going to be 
using an arsenal, then maybe the most graceful weapon you might find in an arsenal is a shield, what right. you use to protect yourself. And in so many ways, grace can be that shield in business. So the metaphor seemed complete. So I started using, uh, started sketching on my, uh, on my iPad, uh, different shields and what they might look like if I had this arsenal of shields that I use to protect me from the rigors of business. And uh, those sketches as I was writing became kind of a, a release. And sure enough, they fit pretty well at the head of every chapter. So I kept going with it. Yeah, it's a great format. It really is. Uh, I smiled the other day. You posted a picture of you holding, or maybe it was Diego Stefani holding up your book. Yes, yes. At, uh, at a conference recently. And Diego is one of those guys I would never have been working with York if it wasn't for him. He's the one that called Doug Weidman and said, hey, you know, you got to hire this guy, right? Diego's one of my favorite people in the world. How is he doing, by the way? He is doing well. He's uh, opened his own restaurant in Dallas, Texas, and uh, is uh, loving that part of the process and still in the HVAC industry simultaneously. But uh, talk about a guy who's full of grace. Boy, he is just full of love and uh, constantly uh, trying to build that next relationship. He so is. He says, it's a nice Italian boy, huh? Yes, he is. Yeah. You can. All you have to do is say, ciao, bella, ciao, ciao, bella, bella. And he just goes crazy. Absolutely. <laughs> Absolutely. He's one of my favorite people. So that, that picture just made me smile. So how does someone get a copy of your book? Well, it's uh, on Amazon and uh, um, Barnes and Noble. I've even been told it's now on a couple of uh, European sites, only in English so far, but uh, it is uh, available online. And I'd highly recommend just going in and typing in the Grace Arsenal. It'll pop right up. And by Andy know, Armstrong. By Andy Armstrong. And if you want to know a little more about it, you can go to thegracearsenal.com and get some of the details on what's in there and why and a uh, little bit of my story if, uh, if anybody's interested in that. Well, I got to tell you, uh, I, I thought it was a remarkable achievement for a first book because no one heard of my first book, Effective Communication. Nine people read it. No way, 10, my mother. <laughs> it had a small audience. University of Washington paid me to write it, and uh, I, but I didn't own the rights to it, so I couldn't market it. Ah. But it was, but what it did more than anything for me is it proved to me that I could write. But to me, this book seems like a fifth or sixth or seventh book. I mean, it's just that good. So uh, yeah, and I'll, I'll quit gushing about it now. But uh, <laughs> I, I will tell you this, Andy, when you get a phone call or an email from somebody that says, hey, we want to buy the rights to your book. And, you know, we want it in German or Italian or whatever, because my, my first one's like 15 different languages. And then they send you a check. You just kind of go, huh? <laughs> yeah, we'll uh, look forward to that day. But it, uh, it has been a, my, my wife gave me some great advice, Mark. She, uh, I sat with her and said, listen, I'm thinking about investing some time in writing this book. I think, I think there's enough here that somebody may want to read it and may get some good out of it. And, and she said, it's a good idea and you, you, you should, but make the journey the joy make writing it and researching it and getting all your thoughts down something you love and if you do that everything will work out because then it's not about selling a book it's about enjoying that journey and my gosh she was so smart she always is she's always three steps ahead you so married up i did I the last time we had dinner i thought what's she doing with him i i am so glad you didn't say it to her though <laughs> 
That was very kind of you. It was Joe Jackson's song. Is she really going out with him, right? So. Exactly. <laughs> but uh, the journey's been so fun. And and now getting to talk to people about their thoughts of the book and getting uh, opportunities to speak about it. I'm going to be in front of uh, about 150 contractors uh, next week talking about the book. And um, it is just so fun to hear people take these ideas and grow them and make them their own. It's just just so flattering. It's wonderful. There's nothing better, Andy, nothing better than when somebody sends you an email or a text or a phone call that says your book changed my life. Yeah. yeah. I got to tell you, I mean, it's just, it's one of the reasons I keep writing because I keep wanting to make a difference. I got an email yesterday from a woman who said, uh, we want to, uh, get this book in my new one as as we think so we become uh in south africa oh wonderful right so i just sent her the you know said yes by all means so here you go here's the here's the information and so and that's going to happen for you because it's that kind of book yeah so so let me ask you this there may be some aspiring writers listening what advice would you offer someone because you i mean you said 12 years ago the idea was kind of planted in the soil and then eventually took root and grew. Now that you've finished it, what advice would you offer someone who's thinking about writing one? First thing I would I would say is you're a far better writer than you think you are. Mm. I've yet to meet a writer who is overconfident in their writing. I, I don't know what it is about writing, but it's so rare you find somebody who says, I'm a great writer, and you read their stuff and and it's not incredible but more often than not everybody tells me i can't write you can you have good ideas you have good thoughts put them on paper and see how they look mm -hmm. so first write it down second um and uh, you know i didn't I, I i didn't get this when i heard you say it and i heard hundreds of other writers say it but make time to write mm -hmm. um it really takes that discipline and if that's an hour once a day during you know that quiet morning time great if it's middle of the night for you and that's when you think best so be it but but put it on your calendar and make it happen because it was amazing to me mark and i know you've you felt this because i think you and i have talked about it but when you make that time and you let your brain simmer for 23 hours a day and percolate on ideas you sit down and it's fascinating what comes out of your fingertips yes um it's like somebody else is writing it there, there were so many times I went back and read what I'd put on paper and go, wait a second, who did this? Um, but your brain Stephen takes King care. says it's like a twin wrote it. Yeah. And you're reading his writing, not yours. Is he saying that just because he's scared of what he's written? <laughs> to blame who knows what that guy thinks? I mean, he's crazy and genius all at once. But did yeah. I ever tell you, Mark, that I was in, in an elevator with him once? No. Were you I scared? Was. I was. It was spooky. Yeah. Yeah, I definitely did you talk asked, to him. I didn't. I wasn't going to say anything. I thought he'd put a curse on me. I didn't know what. I <laughs> well, you know, if you read his book on writing, this is in there. His when he was seven years old, he wrote a story, and uh, his mom said that was great, and she gave him a quarter. She can you write any more? So he wrote like six more short, scary stories, and she gave him a dollar fifty. <laughs> his first paid gig. Very nice. Yes. So my my granddaughter wrote me a story here recently. Uh, it was one page, and I think it was about a unicorn or something. And uh, and the unicorn had fun, or it kind of ended like that. And mm -hmm. I, and so I gave her three dollars. <laughs> Beautiful. And my son said, "You know, she's going to write a story for you every time you see her." Now I said, "Yeah, that's the plan." She's uh -huh. six, right? Yep. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Why not? And they'll keep getting better. 
Well, Charlie Jones told me that Ogmandino wrote for, from 10 at night till two in the morning because that was quiet. Uh, I got up at five in the morning at 5.30. I wrote for an hour or three pages, whichever came first. When did you write? Uh, most of the time I wrote in the morning, but I also found that I, I had good luck writing on planes. Mm. Um, for whatever reason, I put my earphones in, uh, a little Ludwig von, and boom. Ah, the language. Beethoven. Yeah. Uh, been especially into a seventh lately for whatever reason, but uh, something about the rhythm and the, uh, the, the, the passion in his music just makes those characters develop so much more in a fun way. Well, that's uh, interesting. You, you put music on. Mine's Diana Krall. She's my muse. Oh, beautiful. Don't ask me why, and don't tell Elvis Costello because I don't want him coming after me. But yeah, <laughs> yeah. No, the uh, the morning time is generally the best. But like I said, when I uh, had those flights, um, writing was uh, relatively easy on planes for me, for whatever mm -hmm. reason. Well, you know, you realize now, uh, and and maybe we haven't talked about this, but you're going to have to record it and put it on Audible. We're we're in the process. Actually, I have a very good friend. For for those who know the book, there's two characters. Uh, one male, one female, uh, Joe and Steph. And I have a very good friend who's a, a wonderful actress and she's going to read Steph for me and uh, I'm going to read the rest of it. But we're going to do it like a play. Uh, exactly. Yeah. So uh, because she's such a good actress, I'm so excited about hearing that character come to life. Uh, and I know she'll make me think differently about that character, which will make the, the audio so much different than the, uh, the written book. Right. Uh, so it will be a nice experience. And I think we're going to add a couple more things into it, maybe a couple of interviews. But we're uh, probably going to try to have that out by the end of January. Well, I'll give you a warning right now. Uh, reading your book is another way to edit. <laughs> and you may find out that you're going to have to make some changes after you hear yourself say the words. Well, I have a funny story about that, Mark. Um, okay, hold it. This is what I tell everybody, right? Uh -huh. Just tell me the story. If I laugh, I'll tell you if it's funny. Fair enough. I have a okay. story. Okay, fair enough. My wife and I, we live in the Chicago area, and we decided this summer to drive out and spend time with our daughter in Oregon. And uh, uh, it was right about the time we were wrapping up the edits on the book. And I said, you know, we're going to be in the car for a long time. So why don't I read the book to you? And we'll use it as an editing tool, and you can use it as a, a, a chance to give me feedback on what sounds real and what needs to be edited. So I read the entire book to my wife on a uh, what ended up being round trip, about 55 hours in the car, um, as an editing process. And boy, what a what a fun experience! We both still laugh about it now. And um, as, as uh, you have met Liz and you know, she, she can be brutal as an editor. Oh my God. She's so honest. Yeah. She put it right out there and some about uh, 31 years of being together that uh, allows her to say things that other people just don't. So it was, it was a great exercise. It really was. Well, I took a different tact. I told my wife, I said, for every mistake you find in this manuscript, I'll give you 50 bucks. <laughs> she found 47. Nice. That's so true. I had to fly her to Bozeman to go visit her sister. <laughs> That's a fair trade. Whatever works. It finds it finds the mistakes, right? Uh, well, you got to do that. I My first book, I only did three edits. My second, five. My third one, seven. The next one, nine. And, and that's the thing, isn't it? I mean, good writing, Stephen King said, is rewriting. 
I, uh, I was shocked the, uh, uh, the time and the amount of effort that goes into that. I had uh, about 25 uh, friends and colleagues read and give me feedback, which was wonderful. And you were the first to chime in and gave me great feedback. But, but everybody who gave feedback added value and made the story better, made the, the message clearer. And boy, what a, what a gift that is to have people who will step up uh, and give you that feedback and help you, A, learn more about yourself and your topic, but also make your, your end product that much better. Right. Well, you have to be open to feedback and change. And I don't know if you remember a guy named Dan Hollihan. Yes, I do remember. Yeah. yeah. When I wrote a simple choice and I sent it to him just for some feedback, he said, hey, I, I'd love to edit it for you. And I went, oh. And so he did. And he made it so much better. And he was like, do you want me to send you a check? He goes, no, no, no. It'll be fun. And all I could think of was the guys talking about editing a book and he said it was going to be fun. Yeah, I would. And I uh, thought, do I have that mindset? You know, and for me, writing is fun and I can't not write. Writers write. Yep. And guess what? You're a writer. And I, I forget which uh, which Jeff Bridges movie it was. It was one of his early ones. Something in the, the out in the West or something like that. Anyway, he says... He says to this old guy, he says, yeah, I'm a writer. And the old guy says, no, you're not a writer till somebody else tells you you're a writer. <laughs> Great line. And I'm telling you right now, Andy, you're a writer. Well, that, uh, coming from you, that's a uh, tremendous compliment because you have done so many great books, Mark. It's uh, every, every time I get the new one in, in, uh, in my hands, I'm excited to see what I'm going to learn this time. And, and boy, they've, they've all been good. There's always been some good meat in there. Well, I appreciate that. And I'll send you a check later. Uh, <laughs> uh, parting advice, kind of a PS. Um, I, I just as a wide open topic like that, I would say be open to grace. Uh, this, this process of writing this book has taught me that there are so many times when I had the choice to see grace and I didn't. And I look back on the biggest mistakes I've made in my life. And it was generally because I was either too self-centered or too ignorant or too impetuous or uh, trying to control things too much. And, and I missed grace that could have made others in my life better. So be open to it. It's almost always there in some format. If you just give yourself the time and the gratitude to find it, uh, you will. It's around you. Just enjoy yeah. it. And it makes life so much better. That's great. Great feedback. So uh, you know these little window cards that I have, right? 30 in a box. Yeah. Well, there was one sitting on my desk, and so I just popped it open and said, find something you love doing and get someone to pay you for it. If you do what you love, you never work another day in your life. <laughs> I think and I've that's... got a card from you in the past. Uh, yeah. Should... Well, that's what you're doing, man. Yeah. You're doing what you love, and you'll never work another day in your life. So I'm just, I consider you a great friend, and, and I'm proud to be able to say that. Well, I, uh, I would uh, say the same to you, Mark, and it's such a joy to be on the podcast with you. And uh, I think you, when you asked me, you said, uh, it'll be just like talking and we'll just have fun. And boy, <laughs> every conversation we have is, uh, is very similar and always fun and always, always a treasure. I appreciate that. Emerson said, if we're related, we'll meet. <laughs> yeah. Well, my friend, happy trails until we meet again. And thanks for letting me play in your sandbox. Absolutely. My pleasure, Mark, and I look forward to seeing you again very soon. 
As a leader in advanced HVC technologies, Mitsubishi Electric is committed to continuous innovation around efficiency, comfort, and wellness. From electric cars to electric water heaters to electric heating and cooling, the future is electric. The demand for all of our electric heat pumps have never been greater. So there's no better time to join our community of premier contractors and grow your business. Here are some of the reasons why partnering with Mitsubishi Electric is a great idea. Mitsubishi is the number one selling heat pump in America and has been the industry leader for over 35 years. Mitsubishi offers local technical support and has a network of excellent distributors. Mitsubishi's regional sales and marketing teams are available to meet with you and help you grow your business. To find out more, contact MitsubishiComfort.com. Thank you for listening. If I struck a chord, inspire you to action, or piqued your curiosity, let me know. Call or text me at 206-697-0454 or send me an email at mark at sparkingsuccess.net. Should you wish to hire me to speak to your organization or association or order one of my books, simply go to my website, www.sparkingsuccess.net. And remember, make it a great day unless you have other plans.